Hey, I just want to say thank you for checking out this message today. I hope that it helps you, that it encourages you, and that you are able to learn a little bit more about who God is and why so many people throughout history have chosen to become followers of Jesus. If you enjoy this message and you want to hear more, you can find us on Facebook or YouTube, but ultimately you can find everything you need to know at clcwinnipeg.ca. There you can find more messages, you can find our social handles, ways to get connected to our church, and if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do that as well. And like I said before, I hope that you are encouraged by the message you're about to hear. God bless you. So the last time that I preached, I began by talking about cartoons, specifically Disney princesses. And I don't want to seem like that's the only place where I managed to get illustrations from, but we're actually going to go back to cartoons to begin today's message. So question for you, if I mention the word spinach, what is the first cartoon that comes to mind? You can say it out loud, I'll wait. That's right, Popeye, of course. When you picture cartoons and spinach, it's always Popeye. And I imagine that there's probably a cutoff somewhere of young people who are too young to understand that reference, but I'm sure a lot of people have an image that quickly came to mind. See, if you've never heard of Popeye, this is him. He was this squinty-eyed sailor with freakishly large forearms, a gravelly voice, an anchor tattoo, and a girlfriend named Olive Oil. He's almost as old as cartoons are, and he's appeared in over 700 episodes of TV, was one of the original action heroes in cinema, and had a live-action movie where Robin Williams played him in 1980. And if you're unfamiliar with Popeye, and are still wondering why anyone would associate spinach to a cartoon character, let me explain. See, any time that Popeye got into a particularly perilous situation, there always seemed to be a can of goopy green spinach nearby. And he would crack open that can and he would swallow the spinach in a single gulp. And all of a sudden he was super strong, impervious to bullets, capable of flying, and able to swim extremely fast. Whatever the situation called for, Popeye was able to get through it simply by eating a can of spinach. And you can probably guess what unlikely vegetable was able to benefit from this. Spinach, of course. The spinach industry started to thrive and kids all over were able to experience disappointment as they realized that they actually don't like spinach and that it didn't give them Popeye's super strength. And what's worse is that all of that could have been avoided. See, there was initially good reason that spinach was picked as the vegetable of choice for Popeye. It's really nutritious particularly in iron, as spinach comes with an extremely impressive 35 milligrams of iron per serving. At least that's what Eric von Wolf discovered in 1870. But it turns out that Eric had made a bit of a blunder. Spinach doesn't contain 35 milligrams. It actually contains 3.5 milligrams of iron per serving. He had made a mistake in placing the decimal point, and this error was discovered 67 years later in 1937, years after Popeye began to consume it and the spinach industry had already experienced a 33% increase in sales. It turned out that one small mistake had enormous consequences. And sometimes small mistakes do that. They have this tendency to blow up way more than we ever think they would. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about that, but first we're gonna to look to our Bibles. So today we're continuing on in our series called Cover to Cover, and we're in the book called Song of Songs. 
And I know that's probably not exactly what you were expecting after a story about Popeye the Sailor. It's not really what I was expecting to be talking about either. And my initial reaction when I realized that our preaching schedule would have me speaking on this book today was pretty negative. This is the, not the most welcoming book to preachers, and if you've read it before, you might understand why. Never mind the fact that this book is a description of a very intimate relationship between a man and a woman, and I generally feel uncomfortable speaking on marriage as an unmarried person. I definitely had some hesitancy about approaching a book that is one long poem that is filled with some pretty graphic imagery. But this isn't gonna be a message that's on marriage or relationships, don't worry. The truth that we're gonna to explore today will certainly be able to help your relationships, but I believe that this message goes well beyond that. And I trust that it's gonna help anyone listening today. But first, let's talk about what this book actually is. So it's called Song of Songs, or some translations might call it Song of Solomon. And it actually has an unknown author. Because it's often referred to as Song of Solomon and it mentions Solomon by name in its opening chapter, not to mention that Solomon was a pretty prolific romantic, many would assume that Solomon was the author. But it's more likely that it mentions Solomon because Solomon was well known as a poet and the author of a lot of wisdom literature. And this was written in that tradition. So we can't say for certain who exactly wrote it, but we do know that it was likely written in the time period around the life of Solomon. We also know that this is a pretty heavily suggestive book. In fact, in some Orthodox Jewish traditions, men were not allowed to read this book until the age of 30. As some young people today might say, this book is pretty spicy. But it's also a one of one. In no other book of the Bible do we find such explicit descriptions of love or romantic relationships. So why do we have this book? Well, there's three main theories that kind of surround why the Song of Songs made it into the Bible. The first is that it's an allegory for God's relationship with Israel. That would be the Jewish perspective. Second is that it's an allegory for God's relationship with the church, which would be like a Christian perspective. And the third is that it's actually just a description of a God-honoring relationship and marital, marital intimacy. And that last theory for many has become maybe the most widely accepted theory. And this may be because it's uncomfortable to imagine a relationship with God and his people described in terms like the ones that are used in this book. But whatever it may be, we're actually not really focusing on the theme of intimacy today. Today, we're gonna to be looking at a theme that is quite the opposite of intimacy. We're gonna be looking at those things that can actually drive intimacy away from our lives and our relationships. So our text today is Song of Songs 2.15. And it just says, catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love, for the grapevines are blossoming. So it's probably not exactly what you were expecting. Uh, in a book that is all about this intimate relationship, why on earth would we choose to talk about a verse that's about foxes? Well, let's see where this verse actually lands. It's right in the middle of the man and the woman talking to each other, and it's not actually clear who said it. Your Bible might have it under the woman talking, or there might be a heading that says that the young women of Jerusalem were talking, depending on which version of the Bible you prefer to read. But that's something that was added after. 
Those headings didn't exist in the original Hebrew writings. This is written as typical Hebrew poetry, and there's no headings. Those were added on later by interpreters and translators who are just doing their best to sort the chapters of the Bible, and in this case, sort out the context of who might be speaking at what time so that we, as modern readers, understand what we're looking at. So this verse is really just squished in between what seems to be two pretty distinct voices, and it's unclear who actually said it. But it does serve as a warning that should not be ignored. So in talking about foxes, what are they trying to say? Well, in the Bible, foxes are mentioned a handful of times, and not once are they ever mentioned in a positive way. No one ever praises their intellect or their swiftness, and likely because in the context that the Bible was written in, the ancient Near East, foxes were a huge nuisance. For people who, many of them, lived and made their living by owning vineyards, foxes were not a great animal to have around. They posed a common threat to vineyard owners. Foxes would often come in at night and eat the fruit off of the vines that the vineyard, vineyard owners had been working so hard to protect. Many of these owners would have ha had to resort to, keep, to sleeping on the ground in their vineyard just to keep them away. And if a fox got in, they could most definitely ruin your crop. So why did the author write this passage? Why does it go from describing this relationship to all of a sudden this little aside about foxes that eat tender grapes? Well, first off, foxes destroy fruit. These foxes represent little things that may seem harmless, but actually pose a much larger threat. In the context of relationships, romantic and non-romantic alike, there are things that may happen in times where a fox could actually come in and destroy the fruit of a relationship. So here's an example of what that actually might look like. So we have two friends named Andy and Tim. And they become friends, and Tim, right off the bat, has a tendency to lie to Andy about his feelings. And it's nothing major, it's just little things. And Tim has this one pet peeve. He can't stand it when people are late. He is an on-time person through and through. But his friend Andy has a bit of a tendency to run late at times. And Tim doesn't say anything because he doesn't want it to be uncomfortable. He, he justifies not saying anything at first because he thinks that he's protecting Andy from an uncomfortable situation. And ultimately, Tim thinks he's doing a good thing because he doesn't want Andy to feel bad even though he knows that Andy is often just late because timeliness isn't something that he values. It's, it's not like he comes in every time with a great excuse. And it continues, and Tim continues to lie, and Andy continues to bother Tim without knowing. And because Tim has lied about this so much, his sense of resentment begins to grow. He starts to pick up other areas where he thinks that Andy may be not respecting him or his preferences. And that continues on and on until eventually one day, it seems like everything that Andy does just bothers Tim. Tim can become so triggered by any little annoyance and will often begin to spiral into thoughts like, Andy doesn't respect me. Andy doesn't care how I feel. Andy only cares about himself. But that's not true. In fact, what has happened is that Tim has been dishonest. He's withheld the truth and is now creating this entirely alternative narrative in his head that Tim doesn't even, that Andy doesn't even know about. And it drives a wedge into the relationship. 
And Tim gets so angry at Andy and he tells himself these lies and eventually he finds that he has a hard time even being with Andy because he gets so annoyed with him. And he's now being robbed of the previous joy that he used to get from hanging out with Andy. Those fun experiences that they used to have are no longer fun because in the back of his mind, he's just thinking all of these thoughts that he's manufactured about how Andy really feels about him. The intimacy of their relationship is gone and every time that he should feel happy or that he has an opportunity to share something important with Andy, he backs away because he has a hard time because of that resentment. The fruit of the relationship has been stolen and bitterness takes its place every time. See, it started as something small, but it has been allowed in early on and it grew and it ended up driving them apart. The lovers in Song of Songs know that there are risks that they opened themselves up to early on in a relationship. And they know that these things they may open themselves up to might drive them apart if they go unchecked. And they take time to examine the relationship and they drive out the foxes that may eat the fruit. And second, why this passage may be in here is because foxes not only destroy fruit, but they destroy roots. So foxes may sometimes come in at night and steal fruit off of the vines, but sometimes they actually will rob us of the ability to produce fruit altogether. So back to Andy and Tim. Let's say that eventually, Tim actually decides to address Andy's lateness. When it happens though, Tim doesn't just politely bring up, hey, by the way, it really bothers me when you're late all the time. I know that you've said that you don't think it's that important to show up on time, but I actually do, and I don't really like having to wait for you. It actually really gets under my skin. So do you think that maybe you could do like a little better job of showing up when we agree to? And that would be healthy, and it would give Andy a chance to do better and mend that part of their friendship. But let's say that's not what happens. Instead, Tim is just angry. And Andy eventually confronts him and he says, hey, like, what's going on? I've, I feel like you've been behaving differently. And it, it all just comes to the surface and Tim begins to explain what's, what's been going on, but not really explain. He, he instead piles on accusations about how Tim isn't respected by Andy and that Andy uses people and that he only cares about himself. And in reality, other than this one thing, Andy might have been a pretty good friend. And these accusations really weren't true. And Tim didn't even really believe them. It was just this narrative that he had created for himself. And this obviously blindsides Andy and it puts a huge strain on the relationship. And there goes the fruitfulness of their relationship. Because they had allowed, a, because Tim specifically had allowed a fox to come in and to steal and eat the fruit of their friendship. Well, it turns out the foxes don't just steal fruit. Foxes also like to burrow into the ground. And when foxes burrow into a vineyard, they have a tendency to actually ruin the roots of the vines. And they can ruin the ability to produce any fruit at all. So Tim had let a fox burrow into their relationship and it actually completely robbed that relationship of the ability to produce any fruit at all. It's not just that that fruit was produced and then stolen. It was that he actually had this bitterness towards Andy that had gone so deep that Tim felt that Andy's misdeeds were unforgivable and he ended up ruining the relationship altogether.
So that was a long relationship example. And I know I started this message by assuring you that this isn't all about relationships. And I want to assure you that it's not. And I have two takeaways that I hope are going to help you in any area of your life. And the first is to watch your yes. Watch your yes. I heard this idea from a Christian author named Annie F. Downs. And it's this idea of little yeses that we can give our lives over to. And the reality is that things that we consistently say yes to have consequences, good and bad. See, nobody ever woke up and within a day they were running a successful company that they had started in the morning and sold for a billion dollars by dinner. Nobody ever woke up single and ended the day in a committed relationship with a few kids and in a loving, lasting relationship with their spouse. These aren't things that happen in a day. You have to say yes continually to be able to build up a company or to build up a healthy marriage. On the flip side, regular people don't wake up one day and decide to start a fraudulent company that's going to put them in jail. Regular people don't wake up one day with the intention to have an affair and ruin their marriage. What is far more likely in each of these scenarios is that there's been a series of little yeses, decisions that are made every day that we make over time, so that by the end, by the time that we're making those big yeses, they don't feel so big anymore. Because it just feels like a little yes all the way. And these are the little foxes in our life that we can allow to come in and steal and destroy what we may be building in our life. Joyce Meyer warned us to watch the little foxes in your life. Forgive even the most minor offense so that your heart stays clean. Do not cut corners in your finances or on the job when you think no one will notice. Do not expose yourself to ungodly influences thinking, it won't hurt me if I do it just this once. Little things add up to big things, and before you know it, little foxes can ruin a strong, healthy vine. It leaves us with this challenge. What are things that you are saying little yeses to today that may turn into a big yes down the road? What big yes are you inching towards tomorrow that you may need to say no to today? So watch your yes. And our second point, is to watch what you allow to grow. When I was a kid, my piano teacher would sometimes remind me of this phrase. The practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. Practice doesn't make perfect. It makes permanent. Practice may be the only way that we can reach perfection, but if you practice the wrong way, you're going to get stuck into the habits of doing something the wrong way. And you may actually get stuck into doing an imperfection permanently. If we allow ourselves to do something repeatedly, it might just stick. So what is it that you practice regularly that is becoming permanent in your life? What are you allowing to grow that may one day become a bigger problem? When we think about how foxes would burrow into the ground and ruin the roots of the vines, we are reminded that there may be areas in our own lives that we might need to check. So let's go back to Tim and Andy one more time for a second. Tim was allowing bitterness and resentment to grow towards Andy for a long time before he ever said anything. And they were real friends and 
Fruit was happening on the surface, but underneath the roots were being overtaken by foxes. Tim was allowing himself to be overtaken with this bitterness to the point that he eventually ruined his friendship with Andy. What else can we not allow to take root in our lives? I think that Galatians 5 actually has a lot to say about this for us, believe, for us as believers. In this chapter, Paul is addressing the church in Galatia who are having these continued arguments over following Moses' law or if they don't need to be doing that anymore. And Paul says in chapter 5, verse 1, he gently reminds them that Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up in slavery to the law. He wants them to remember how free they really are because of Christ. And in verse 7, he says, You were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. It's a similar analogy to our foxes. There are little things that may get in the way of our relationship with God. And unchecked, they may actually spread into every area of our life. It, it might get into the way that we work and how we do school and how we manage our finances. And so much that even though they seem harmless, they can actually get everywhere and overtake our lives. Verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So on the flip side, when we keep ourselves from these kinds of temptations, when we manage to stay in the spirit and keep ourselves clear from these kinds of things, Paul says that the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And you probably know these. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He says there is no long law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. So not only do we have an obligation to protect the vineyards of our own lives, don't assume that you are farther along than anyone else. Don't provoke other people and don't become jealous of the progress that another believer may be making. We as the church are all doing this together. And I believe that this journey of following Jesus, of cultivating a fruitful life, is best achieved when we do it together. And with that, we reach our conclusion for this week. I hope that as you go this week, that you might take some time to check your life. Maybe spend some time journaling or praying and asking God what the foxes that you may be allowing into your life are. And ask him how to get rid of them. Maybe there's going to be some conversations that you need to have with people to clear up some of those foxes. Maybe there are some things that you've been practicing that you recognize you don't want to become permanent and you actually need to stop. Whatever your next step is, 
we as a church are praying for you and we want to see the best for you. And if you're watching this and don't have a church community, we would love to be able to help you with that. If you're in Winnipeg, we would love to meet you in person. And if you're watching from somewhere else, we would love to hear from you. Either way, you can find everything you need to know in the links below or on our website, clcwinnipeg.ca. But before we go, I would love to be able to pray with you. So God, we just thank you for this reminder that comes out of this, this strange, mysterious book. But we thank you for this reminder that is clear to us of what we need to do, God, that there, there is fruit that you want to produce in our lives. And God, may we not allow those little foxes to come and steal and destroy. God, would you protect us? Would you walk with us? Would you show us your truth and your light as we continue to serve you and worship you and honor you as we give our lives to you? Help us to walk in the spirit of freedom that only you can give. And I pray for each and every person who's watching this as they go. God, would you be revealing to them those little yeses that they're saying, the things that they're practicing that may become permanent. God, would you reveal that to them? Would you surround them with godly community? And would you show them the love that only you can? In your name we pray. Amen.